Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Late episode of the pod. I'm 24. This is my podcast, 24's podcast. Sorry. <clears throat> late ep- episode, late edition. Just because I was kind of clowning around, but feel great. Pause the music. Went to Longhorn Steakhouse today. And I just decided to uh, to overindulge. I had nine chicken tenders. I, I said to myself, I want, like it was getting late and I didn't want to cook. So I said to myself, go out. Let's go to Longhorn Steakhouse. Let's get some chicken tendies. I wanted some chicken tendies. Got some chicken tenders. Got some fries. Got a cheesecake as well. Passed out. <laughs> For like two or three hours. Passed out. Got the itis. That's not good. I my there's like a history of diabetes in my family. I'm like I, I just can't. I gotta, I gotta hit the gym again. Anyways, unpause my music. We got weekend wrap up coming up next, as well as a few other things like discussing why the Minnesota Vikings are not a serious football team will probably open the show with that why not start off with Odell Beckham Jr. as well the whole will they won't they with with um with Odell looks to be coming to an end as well hold on let me burp excuse me we'll see what happens we'll talk about Odell is that it I think so. Anyways, all that coming up right here, 24's podcast. Just didn't want to cut off the Beatles during <clears throat> during that fantastic part of the song. Who doesn't like Oh Darling? You know what? I don't I'm not mad whenever people say that they didn't listen to Abbey Road or don't listen to it or haven't listened to Abbey Road yet. It's like, bro, that that uh that movie was made in like not movie, that album was made in like the sixties. I mean it's a great album. Don't get me wrong. It's a great album, obviously, you know with some great songs by the Beatles, iconic songs by the Beatles. <clears throat> but let's just be honest. It's it's a really, really old, influential album. And if you're a modern, contemporary listener of music, more likely than not, you're going to have some holes in your, your music, uh, your musical appreciation. I say all that to say, 
I recently listened to Abbey Road a couple of months ago for the first time. Not gonna lie to you. Do classic rock stations? I do. I go to the gym, right? And I go in the morning, so I don't. I don't know. I don't listen to a lot of classic rock radio stations just by myself because it's. I, I'm a millennial. I'll just pick the songs that I want to listen to. But do classic rock stations play? a lot of tracks off of Abbey Road because I feel like they don't. I feel like they play some Aerosmith. They, You know what classic rock stations do? They play the most overplayed songs on their stations. Like, I'll occasionally listen to Smells Like Teen Spirit, but I'll have some, have some Aerosmith and other songs and other bands, and it's just... I've heard a lot of these songs before, and... It's like very, very little Foo Fighters, and if it is, it's My Hero, of course it is, which isn't a bad song. It's just, depending on the station, it's ridiculously overplayed, but if that's what people want to listen to, then that's what people want to listen to, you know, so I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, point is, I, I'm i not one of these people that sticks their nose up at other people who haven't listened to classic music because... I haven't listened to classic, so certain classic music, I guess. I don't know. <clears throat> Anyways, starting off the podcast, let's get into Minnesota, right? Everybody, I think the consensus across the board with Minnesota is that Minnesota is an overrated football team. Oh, they're 10 and 2, 24, they're 10 and 2. They're the two seed in the NFC. They are record-wise one of the best teams in the NFL. And, oh my God, I just saw the Thursday night football game and I am... Let me have a short deviation here. Last week, I talked about how I was shocked that Twitch was just live streaming the Thursday night football game, Twitch, the free live streaming platform. Uh, that Amazon owns. <clears throat> I just had the epiphany just when I was thinking randomly one time last week that Twitch could potentially be streaming the uh, the football game. What was it? Patriots at Bills last week on Thursday Night Football. And the reason why I thought potentially Twitch was going to get it was Twitch is an affiliate of Amazon and Twitch always get Amazon's stuff. And Twitch and Amazon work very, very well together. The thing that just shocked me about it is that nobody advertised that it was on Twitch. It was getting a pretty awesome stream too. 64,000 live concurrent viewers. I was like, oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty, that's pretty great. It was just weird to watch that it was just blatantly streaming on Twitch and nobody had advertised it. Not the NFL Network, not Amazon, nobody. Jesus Christ, it was ridiculous. And then you have all of these people live casting the game on YouTube, and then you have people trying to st steal the freaking broadcast. And I was just like, oh, it's available for free on Twitch. It's ridiculous. But my point is, is that I now have a reliable way to watch the Thursday night football game. However, I'm not going to watch it this week because it's the Raiders versus the Rams. We'll talk about the Rams and... Baker Mayfield, excuse me, here in a couple of minutes, but yikes, you know, yikes. 
That's that's ridiculous. <clears throat> Going back to what I was originally talking about with the Minnesota Vikings and how they're an overrated football team. I get this tweet today or yesterday. I think it was yesterday, right? No, it was today. I get this tweet from Robert Griffin III, a.k.a. Uh, RG3, formerly of the NFL as a quarterback. He was a great college football player, Heisman guy, Heisman Trophy winner, by the by, flamed out in the NFL after a couple of entries. Look, there's a lot of stuff apparently about RG3 that's been, that's not really discussed or talked about. Some of his teammates have had issues with him. Some of his teammates have talked about how he wasn't really that committed to football and or just how awkward of a guy he is in the locker room. I feel like RG3, whenever I watch any of his broadcasts, because now he's a broadcaster and he does college football specifically, I just feel like he's phony, you know? I feel like he's unauthentic as just a broadcaster, and that's the worst thing that you can be is not genuine. And this take from RG3 today is just absurd. By the way, I've also seen, like, if I can have another deviation, I haven't watched Speak, or as it was commonly known on FS1 as Speak for Yourself. I, I stopped watching it because Jason Whitlock was and is a moron, and then he gets into politics, and he becomes a full mask-off moron. That's just, oh, he just... He's just a he's just an idiot, among other things. But they replace him with Emmanuel Acho, who is I don't know how he got into broadcasting. I don't know why he got into broadcasting. I just it, but the show revolves around Emmanuel Acho, and I just think that that show is so bad now because it could have had a different host, it could have had a better host or better focal point. And it now revolves around the guy that was doing interviews with Oprah that, is he still doing those interviews with Oprah? It was like, what were they? I don't even know how he knows Oprah, but all I know is that he like knows Oprah. Can you spell Emmanuel? Hold on, E-man. Here you go. It's like a bajillion people that are named Emmanuel. Here we go, Acho. His brother also does... What is it? His brother also does like freaking freaking uh what does he do? He does work for ESPN as well. God, man. I like I do not understand this person at all. I don't know how he can be I don't know how he can just be like a broadcaster. I'm I just googled him. Here here's his wiki page on his media. Acho took a, a temporary job in 2016 as an analyst for the Longhorn Network and then transitioned to a full-time analyst that fall. In 2018, he was promoted to ESPN2's college football programming. Acho was one of the four hosts of Cover 4, which airs on the official website of the Dallas Cowboys. Really? And is one of four anchors at the Texas Game Day desk on the Longhorn... At the Longhorn network wait he used to work for the cowboys <clears throat> he was a 
He was a Cowboys. No wonder why he fucking hates Dak. By the way, Emmanuel Acho is or was a former Philadelphia Eagles reporter. Cowboys cover. Let me look this up. Hold on. Yeah, this is like three years ago. I'm not going to play any of it. What? What is this? Oh, I remember this. I used to watch a lot of... I remember Lindsey Draper. I used to watch a lot of cowboy content. And I stopped watching it years upon years ago because it's just not very good. And I now I know now I remember him. There it like cover four. How do I describe it? It's so hard to describe. It was essentially this weird TV show that was this round table sports talk thing. I don't know what they were trying to do. They got rid of it because, to be honest with you, it was not very good. It was not very good. <clears throat> And I guess he was a part of it for a little while. I don't know. I really don't. But yeah, he used to work for the Cowboys, which is so weird. Because he go, because he's essentially made a career of just going in on Dallas. He's just like, yeah, I'm just gonna go in on Dallas, and he just used to work for 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 the Cowboys. Anyways, on June 10th, 2022. 2020, excuse me, it was announced that he would be leaving ESPN to join Fox Sports and co-host the afternoon studio show, Speak for Yourself, replacing Jason Whitlock. Again, moron. <clears throat> On June 3rd, 2020, following the murder of George, George Floyd, excuse me, Acho began a series of YouTube interviews entitled Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man in order to educate and inform on racism, systemic System racism, social injustice, rioting, and the hurt black people are feeling today. He wrote a book of the same name. Da 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 da. <laughs> Eighteen thousand copies were th sold on the first day. Ba 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 ba. Okay. Da 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 da. I don't. Okay, I'm just, just like literally just reading it. It feels like Emmanuel Acho somehow, some way has gotten, and it's all about networking, has like gotten in with just Hollywood people and he just has deep connections. And I was reading his Wikipedia page and nothing says to me that he should ever be in some of the positions that he's been in. But again, it's about who you know. But... I don't even know how it deviated super hard to Emmanuel Acho. I was going, I was, oh yeah, like Emmanuel Acho is phony and he attacks the Cowboys all the time to be contrarian. And the same thing goes with LaShawn McCoy. Just these lazy takes by both of them, especially LaShawn McCoy, who is borderline unwatchable on FS1. I don't know, and by the way, I don't know why you would ever watch a late afternoon sports show Ever. I, I don't know why. I, I really don't. I have no idea why you'd want to watch it. But <clears throat> LaShawn McCoy is lazy and just boring as a broadcaster. And, Amer and Emmanuel Acho is 
phony, and Robert Griffin III is also just meh. He's phony as well. But he's, like, RG3 put out some tweet today talking about how the Vikings are a good football team, even though they really, or, or a great football team, even though they aren't. The tweet itself is, the Vikings are 10-2. and Wake up, people. They are 9-0 and in one-score games. When adversity hits, they come together as a team and find ways to win. The blowout losses to the Cowboys and Eagles were bad, but at some point, winning 10 out of 12 games has to matter. Time to stop ignoring. No, and 12,000 likes, by the way. Ridiculous. And it's just like, how many games have they won? They've won... 10 games, but the thing, but regardless, right? Here are, the, here are the teams that they've beaten in one score games, by the way. <clears throat> the stat that RG3 gave us was, what was it? They're 9-0 and in one score games. So Lions, they beat them September 25th, 28-24. to Saints, 28-25. to Bears, 29-22. The Dolphins without Tua, by the by, 24-16. The horrendous Arizona Cardinals, 34-26. The Commanders, 20-17. The Buffalo Bills, 33-30. And the Patriots, 33-26. And the Jets, 27-22. Besides the Bills win, which really shouldn't have been a win if Josh Allen properly snaps the football or he holds on to the football and he doesn't fumble the football on his own goal line, which I don't even know how you can fumble literally the quarterback to center snap exchange, or technically it's the center to quarterback snap exchange. If he does not fumble the football, they win the football game very handedly after Justin Jefferson pops off for bajillion yards. We will also talk about him in a couple of minutes. But none of their wins are good or great wins. And every single week, by the by, in all of their quote-unquote 9-0 score game, oh my God, they're so great, they're so awesome, the teams that they beat are not very good. We just talked about the Jets, the Patriots, the, the Commanders, the Cardinals, the Dolphins without Tua, the Bears, the Saints, and the Lions. Those are their one-score victories. Oh, my God, they're awesome. When they go up against a good team, and unless it's not on midday, they freaking get shredded. Maybe not midday is the best way to, way to frame it, excuse me, but unless the game is played at noon, they get freaking shredded. As evident by the Eagles... 24-7 massacre, which was way worse than the score even reflects because the Eagles' offense was completely and utterly stagnant in the second half of that game. And then the 40-3 to football game where Kirk Cousins gets sacked a monster seven times in that game. That game was abominable from start to finish. Dallas was unstoppable. That 10-2 team, Two of the worst losses in 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 this sport. They'll probably win out potentially, maybe not. We'll see about the Lions this weekend, and uh, they go up against the Green Bay Packers. We'll see what happens there. But you can't tell me that the that the Vikings are a good football are, are a great football team. I think they're a good football team. I I said how I like, and I was wrong about the Vikings in the sense of <clears throat> I said at the beginning of the season that. They are not going to win 14 games. They may win 14 games this year, but they will not be a strong contender. If they have to go up against Dallas, if they have to go up against Philly, they're going to get shredded. 
They've went up against those two teams and have gotten shredded. So the whole, oh, they're they're 9-0 and in one-score games is, is a bullshit statistic because all of the, the teams that they've gone up against with those one-score games are bad teams. They're terrible for the most part. And then again, the whole like, oh, they're 10, like they've only lost two games against the Cowboys and the Eagles. They're only, they've only lost two games and they lose, they've lost by, what's the margin? They lost by a margin of 37 points against the Cowboys and 17 points against the Eagles. Those are their margins. And let me guess, I haven't even seen the Eagles stat book in months. Let me, let me, stats in months. Let me see how many, how many times they got after Kirk Cousins. They got him twice, but their third down efficiency was four, was 30%, which is bad. But yeah, the Vikings are a good football team. Sure. Okay. Speaking of which, can I just raise my hand and ask the simple question? Why are we so juiced up about Justin Jefferson? Why is everybody saying, well, Justin Jefferson, he's, he should be in the MVP candidate, candidacy. It just feels like that's just a narrative that's just been, been run for the last couple of weeks. And I have no idea why. I have no idea why. It doesn't make sense. A, number one, he's not the best receiver in the NFL. And B, number two, he's not even the best receiver that is, he's not even the most, what's the word I'm looking for? The biggest different difference maker on any NFL team at his position. That's Tyreek Hill. It's so weird how little press coverage the Miami Dolphins are getting. I get it. They're similar in yards. By the way, Tyreek Hill, he's had like a bye week, I think, a, a week ago. So his, his numbers have kind of started to, to fall back away from from Tyreek, or not Tyreek, excuse me, but from Justin Jefferson, but literally just, not Justin, Tyreek Hill is on pace right now, still, by the way, for 2K yards, still, it's insane what he's doing, I get it, Justin Jefferson is essentially the majority of the offense for the Vikings, his statistics really have nothing to do with Kirk Cousins, and I also get it that their numbers are very similar, 1,300 yards, 96 receptions, five touchdowns for Tyreek Hill, 88 receptions, 1,277 yards, and six touchdowns for Justin Jefferson. I get it. Their numbers are similar. But you can't tell me that Justin Jefferson is having a bigger impact on his team when Tyreek Hill wasn't on Miami last year and they were not a playoff team. He goes to Miami this year. They're competing for the one seed. Can't tell me that Miami isn't benefiting more from Tyreek Hill than the Minnesota Vikings are. And I get it. Minnesota is 10 and 2. Look, I hate power rankings for this exact reason. Because everybody wants to tell me that X team should be at X position, like in college. This team has won this amount of games, like RG3 just said, with the Miami, not Miami, but with the Minnesota Vikings, the Minnesota Vikings should be one of the best teams or considered one of the best teams in the NFL because they have 10 wins. None of their wins are good. All of their wins, by the way, are also questionable because they had a lot of one-score games with bad opponents. 
It's a self-burn, by the way, from RG3. But even with Justin Jefferson and even with Minnesota doing what they do best, which is being average, they still got shredded against the Cowboys and the Eagles. Meanwhile, Miami is competing for the one seed in their conference, one seed in their division against the fading Buffalo Bills. But sure, fine, we can hype th- get, the, get the hype train rolling for Justin Jefferson. I don't understand it. It's so weird. It really is to me. Let me plug in my computer. Hold on. It's just weird. It's just weird how much consideration Justin Jefferson is getting. And he's not even the best wide receiver in the NFL, but sure. Fine. Whatever. We can we can say that Justin Jefferson is quote unquote in the MVP consideration, but whatever. It is what it is, I guess. But Minnesota. They go up against the Lions. The Lions are coming alive over the last couple of weeks, weirdly enough. I have no idea why. Jared Goff is playing very, very well. Actually, I said this on Sunday that I think there should be some consideration for Jared Goff being next year's starter and potentially you not drafting a quarterback next year. Jared Goff is still young. He has played a nice couple of stretches of games. And let's say you suck again next year. Caleb Williams is available. Here's what I would do if, the, if I was the Lions. This is my opinion. I would wait. I would say, look, worst case scenario, we probably get a better quarterback prospect or a similar quarterback prospect in Caleb Williams if we suck again next year. And then we get to potentially fire Dan Campbell and get somebody better. Because let's just be honest, Dan Campbell, even though he's won... Uh, three, four games in the last couple of weeks. His team is still five and seven or something just terrible like that. Yeah, they're five and seven. Like, get over yourself if you're on the juice of, of Dan Campbell. But next year, you wait. If Jared Koff stinks, he stinks. If he doesn't, then you have Will Landerson and Aiden Hutchinson or Jalen Carter and Aiden Hutchinson or whomever. But if he does think, you now have Will Anderson, Aiden Hutchinson, and Caleb Williams all on one team. And I'll take that any day of the week, in my opinion. I would wait, depending on how Jared Goff plays. I'm not, and by the way, I should preface this. I'm not a big Jared Goff fan at all. In fact, you could say that I'm a little bit of a Jared Goff hater. I don't like Jared Goff that much. But I can't deny 340 yards 75% completion percentage and two tutties against the Jags. I can't deny 62% completion percentage, 240 yards, two touchdowns against the Bills. Almost winning that game, by the way. Can't deny that. He's had some solid moments against some pretty good football teams. Maybe not against the Jags, but you know what I mean. He's 19. He has 19 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He can, like, kind of get by with that. It's... It's almost three to one. I always, I haven't talked about touchdown interception ratio. Three to one is great. Like, I don't care if you have a turnover as long as you score three times. It's one of the reasons why I haven't really cared about Dak Prescott throwing a bunch of interceptions. He has 13 touchdowns, seven interceptions. This is one of his worst quarterback efficiency uh, ratings in a long time. 
in the last couple of years. He's been great, but he's also had these weird spots where he'll just throw a shit ton of interceptions. It's kind of normal for him. But he will also have these moments where he will just throw a shit ton of touchdowns. And he really hasn't had a game where he has thrown for more interceptions than touchdowns. So I don't really care. He has 13 touchdowns, seven interceptions. That's worse than Jared Goff. Granted, he didn't play for a month, but still. He won't hit 30 touchdowns, which is what he did last year. He hit 37 touchdowns last year. He won't do that this year. Point is, Jared Goff is almost hitting at a great level, at a top 10 quarterback level when it comes to touchdowns and interceptions. And I can't deny that. I can't ignore that. It's like really, really good. I would wait. Anyways, let's talk about Baker Mayfield. I'll hold off on OBJ on talking about him tomorrow just for the simplicity of the fact that I want to cross my I's. I want to dot my T's. I want to make sure the information that I'm getting is legitimate. I think to some degree it is because the Cowboys, they leak anything and everything. I'll help you out if you don't know what's going on. So essentially... What's taken place over the past six to seven hours is that it has been revealed that OBJ may be a little bit further behind in his in his recovery than he is initially led on. Apparently, he's been medically cleared to play, and that was last month or something like that. I don't I don't really know what it was, like a couple of weeks ago. And so the Cowboys had him in. There's the whole. OBJ chant going on at the Dallas Mavericks game last night. He gets courtside seats with Micah Parsons and Trevon Diggs. It's a huge showcasing for Odell Beckham Jr. He also gets annoyed by the media. As somebody who is pretty antisocial and introverted, I would hate being interviewed literally as I'm just trying to go to a basketball game, but I'm not Odell Beckham Jr. I can only imagine how annoying that is where you're just trying to talk business and just people are in your face with microphones asking you a bunch of questions. I'm like, do you not want him to be a cowboy? Don't ever do that again, Dallas media. That is ridiculously annoying. And they were just in the back, and they were like shoving microphones in his face. It was just, it was weird to me. It was very paparazzi-esque, you know? Like, kind of like stalkers. Like, I know where you're going to be at this time, at this place. I know everybody's just like, but he's a celebrity. It's weird. It's weird. I don't even think he got that treatment in New York. It was just weird to watch people follow him around and know where he was going to be. It's like it's like they're like an assassin, you know? Like like I'm I know where you're going to be and I like I know where you're going to be. I know your schedule. I know or stalker, I guess. It's like they were stalking him, I guess. Maybe not an assassin, but a stalker, I guess. It was very very weird. But going back to the original problem with Odell, apparently Dallas believes or there's reports coming out that Dallas believes that he's further behind in his medical treatment than he should be that's not good for many reasons like one it's not good that Dallas leaked it because it just will give information to other teams like hey maybe don't sign him and things of that nature and number two it's not good for the Cowboys because Dallas has essentially put a lot of eggs in this basket they've been trying to get Odell to Dallas for a month and he is not healthy, and he has kind of been, I talked about it on Sunday, I talked about the prospect of getting Odell Beckham Jr. and getting an explosive football player 
to potentially have for Dak Prescott because they don't really have a lot of explosion in their offense. I know that they can they can score quickly and they can be incredibly efficient in the red zone, but I'm talking about big plays in the passing game. They don't really have that. They have big plays in the running game, and some people would argue that that's enough, but they really don't have the ability to be explosive. And to be honest with you, it like A, it's super, super, super important, and B, on the flip side, if I'm being 100% honest, it may not necessarily be as big of a weakness depending on how many yards their passing defense gives up because they're rolling with Kelvin Joseph, the second-year man out of Kentucky, who, if I'm being quite honest with you, has been absolutely terrible uh, since he's gotten into the league. He was unprepared last year, and he was severely unprepared this year. And I loved him coming out of the University of Kentucky. I thought he really was a first-round draft pick just based off of his prospect. He was one of the only guys that could lock down Devontae Smith when he was in college, and I thought that he was a great prospect for Dallas. I didn't care about the off-field stuff, but now it's starting to become a problem when he's just when he's actually playing and he's on the field and he's just not very good. He's easily the worst corner on the team, and the Alec Pierce back shoulder fade touchdown. I thought to myself, "Oh, Kelvin Joseph is one on one on Alec Pierce on the backside." Matt Ryan would be ridiculous to not look his way, and he did, and he scored a touchdown, and I thought that to myself as I was watching the game, and I was like, oh, yeah, he literally did exactly what I thought he was going to do. So, Kelvin, I don't think he'll get any better in the next couple of weeks. I was kind of shocked. You know what, you know what could potentially happen here? Dallas has two corners that they drafted over the last, like, two to three years when they got Dan Quinn as their defensive coordinator. They drafted Kelvin Joseph, and they drafted this other guy in Sean Wright. Now, if Kelvin Joseph isn't as good as a player, like if he still is terrible, he's awesome when it comes to special teams. He even, by the way, Kelvin Joseph did not have a good Sunday last uh, last Sunday. He led up a touchdown against Alec Pierce, and after the Colts, I think, punted on their first punt, whether it was after their first or second series, I can't remember. Kelvin does something that I have very rarely seen at the professional level. He runs into the returner and doesn't give him any space to catch the football, and he destroys him, and it's a 15-yard penalty. I've never seen that before in my entire life. Or I guess, excuse me, it was after the Cowboys had punted. He destroys the, the returner, and it's freaking, uh, it's a 15-yard penalty in favor of the Colts. And I was like, I've never seen a a gunner do that. So, yeah, he just did not have a good Sunday last Sunday. Anthony Brown is out for the season. Deron Bland seems like an awesome slot corner for Dallas for years to come. Jordan Lewis was their guy, and Deron Bland kind of seems like he's better, and they'll probably roll with Deron next year. But Nashawn Wright, he used to, uh, he was out of, OSU, not Ohio State, not Oklahoma State, but if you can believe it, Oregon State University. He was a third-round pick who everybody thought should have been like a seventh-rounder. But Nashawn Wright, to me, could be an interesting player, but he was not active this past Sunday. so That's not good at all. They have a lot of young, inexperienced prospects that potentially now need to play, so that's not good. They're on like their fourth or fifth corner. Yeah, it's not good. 
Like Deron Bland was like their sixth guy. Their sixth corner is starting. Their fourth and fifth guy, and potentially Kelvin Joseph, and also Nishan Wright could potentially begin live reps here in the coming days. They also signed uh, some guy off the Vikings practice squad, Marquise Alexander. So, yeah, it's it's looking pretty thin at corner, and I think Dallas's passing offense is going to be so intriguing when it comes to explosions and their passing defense is going to be so interesting when it comes to, can they give up? Do they give up big plays? Excuse me. In the passing game. We'll see. It's like, if you're in the know, you're in the know, you know what I mean? By the way, I get to watch Dallas play up against the Texans this weekend. I thought I didn't have the game, but apparently I do. So that should be fun. Anyways, also, Baker Mayfield got released. I think everybody can take an L on this. Whether you were right about Baker Mayfield or whether you were right about Sam Darnold, you were wrong about something. You either liked Baker Mayfield or you liked Sam Darnold. They're, they're both bad. Let's have our come to Jesus moment. Let's all admit our past transgressions. Let's just say it. Everybody was wrong about these two guys. Everybody was wrong about Baker Mayfield. Everybody was wrong about Sam Darnold. And let's keep it pushing. This is the third team that Baker Mayfield is now on. Baker Mayfield got released late yesterday afternoon. He gets picked up by the Rams to potentially be their starting quarterback. By the by, should also preface this by saying this. Baker was probably on a better overall offense this year with... The Panthers, then he is now with the Rams. Rams offensive line sucks. Rams don't have any weapons because Cooper Cup is hurt, and he's like their only guy. Allen Robinson is hurt. He was their only other guy. So now it's going to be Baker behind a bad offensive line with Tyler Higby, potentially. I don't know if he's playing or not. I haven't seen the Rams, to be honest with you, play in like a week or two, so I don't really know what's going on. I haven't followed the Rams because the Rams are irrelevant. But Rams are just... With Baker are just, like, I don't know. I think he's on a worse team now, potentially, and that's hard to say because the Carolina Panthers are very bad. But he doesn't have DJ Moore, who DJ Moore is having a horrendous, horrendous season for the first time in his career. I talk about how awesome DJ Moore is and things of that nature, and he may not get to 1,000 yards this season. He may, uh, it's going to be close. It's going to be close for sure, but... He hasn't had a decent quarterback ever this entire season. And it's hard for him to do anything when guys are throwing darts into the turf. So. I think the Carolina Panthers, do they, what's, what's their pick right now? Let me just look it up really, really fast here. I just want to figure out their pick. We had a mock draft last week, and I don't know if we'll do it again this week. We'll see. But I talked about last week that there could be a possibility that certain teams won't pick up a quarterback, right? So right now I have the draft order. It's Texans, Bears, Seattle, Lions, Eagles, and then at sixth overall, it's Carolina. 
If you're the Texans, you probably take Bryce Young. You probably take a quarterback. Bada bing, bada boom. If you're the Bears, you're going to take a defensive player like Will Anderson or Jalen Carter. If you're Seattle, I don't think you pick up a quarterback. They've already talked about contract extensions with Geno Smith. And if you're wondering how does Seattle have the third overall pick, it's because of how bad Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos are. Remember, they traded their first-round draft picks to the uh to the Seattle Seahawks, the Denver Broncos, in order to get Russell Wilson. Probably one of the best trades in the history of the sport, depending on how their draft picks pan out. But I don't think Seattle will get a uh, a quarterback. They could potentially look to trade back and get assets, or they could potentially just cash in their chips and take Jalen Carter. I'll just say they take Jalen Carter. The Lions, they could potentially take a quarterback. I don't really see anybody else that they could take if Bryce Young and all of these defensive players go. They could potentially just take a quarterback. So, yeah, if you're Carolina, you probably need to try and move up with um, uh, with Seattle to get that to get that pick if, if you want a quarterback, which they kind of desperately need. And they specifically need a young quarterback. So they've been trying. Give them their credit. They have, but kind of weakly. They went after Teddy Bridgewater, which I could have told you years ago that that wasn't going to work out. And then they went after Sam Darnold, which again, could have told you that that wasn't going to work out. And what a surprise, they end up on Baker Mayfield. And what a surprise, that doesn't work out as well. So they need a young, actual, good prospect at quarterback to play quarterback for them. And we'll see what happens next year. Baker Mayfield, though, now a Los Angeles Ram. Will he be good or not? Probably not. Scratch that. Definitely not. But Baker is kind of like Johnny Manziel in the sense of a lot of people at Oklahoma want him to succeed. A lot of college football wants him to succeed because he represents college football to a T. And he's gotten his ass whooped all freaking all of his career. Excuse me. So he'll probably get his ass whooped again to be honest with you, when he goes to uh, when he goes to the Rams. Will he start this Sunday? I don't know. And to be honest with you, I don't really care. I don't. So. We'll see. Anyways. I'm going to get into the games now. Yes. The individual games. I'll individually recap them as well. Let me take a couple minute break here. Let me just, I'll be back in a couple of minutes. Just, uh, just let me take a very, very quick break. I'm trying to find some music to play here in the background as I take my break. Here it is. I'll play some of this. And then I'll come back here in a couple of minutes. Anyways, coming back in a couple of minutes after a short break, 21st Podcast. After the promise Still I can, still I can Oh baby I 
Deep breath, deep breath, deep breath, deep breath. Let it go, let it out, let it go, let it out. Take a deep breath, deep breath, deep breath. Take a few to drop and toss the sky. Take a deep breath, deep breath, deep breath, deep breath. Let it go, let it out, let it go, let it out. Take a deep breath, deep breath, deep breath. I touched the sky. On a sunny morning, I touched the sky. Next morning, I touched your heart. What's the start? I play my role when I rip the mic apart. Do what I got to do to place the spark. I'ma pull it down. Seeking no crown anymore. From the moment I saw you, it's all gone. Hard to believe to a pimp like me. Used to have seven women every day of the week. Quick uh, time, I put that behind. Said I'm sorry, I got to go from the side. Lie to the man, I aim high to the place. No human has ever even tried. So I got to go, go, I got to go. All I want is for you to stay. Man, Another grave resurrected, now he's connected. No concession, just embedded by you. Follow my lead. No doubt about that. It's a happy day. I gotta tell you one thing. Take a deep breath, deep breath, deep breath, deep breath. Let it go, let it out, let it go, let it out. Deep breath, deep breath, deep breath. Take a few to drop and touch the sky. Take a deep breath, deep breath, deep breath, deep breath. Let it go, let it out, let it go, let it out. Take a deep breath, deep breath, deep breath. I won't deny that I used to play. Young days are done. Think that I can't even say. Time to make up my day. God, so hard to regulate. Till I met her yesterday. I was the dirt and you're the purifier. I'm the gasoline. Wow, you're the fire. Keep it on the DL. No inquire. Which makes me wanna talk like Esquire. I don't wanna pause. I want to entire. Buy any juice from gold to sapphire. Crack some jokes and turn satire. We'll be careful not to get you too tired. Make it short, but I'll take you higher. When we have a baby, we'll be in a chariot. What makes me most inspired? Hope seeing goes with you, baby girl. Stop, 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 stop,
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hold on, I'm getting reset here. Oh, God. Hold on. Oh. Hold on. I want to, like, stand up now. Sorry about that. I'm not going to lie to you. I used the bathroom really, really badly. How long was that? Jesus Christ, I was eight. <laughs> I was eight minutes. Yeah, I had to use the bathroom really, really badly. So I usually just try and power through on the podcast, but then I was just like, mm-mm, handle it. Handle it. Been like holding it in for like 30 minutes. Like, all right, time to just use the bathroom for like sharp eight minutes. Sure, a little deviation before we talk about the NFL games this past Sunday. We'll talk about some of them. We'll talk about all of them, I guess, and then we'll go to college football. Or we can, yeah, we'll we'll go to college football tomorrow. We'll talk about college football tomorrow. But I had a, I have these like vinyl records that I've been excited for. I think I talked about it on the Music Matters podcast this Sunday, where I've spent a lot of money on vinyl records over the last really two years I got into the hobby two years ago and it's not like I don't listen to my vinyl records I do I was listening to I just got Nirvana's Nevermind so I was listening to that I listened to it twice yesterday or actually I think it was on Sunday was it on Sunday or was it on Monday yeah it was yesterday I do remember listening to it twice on Monday but I listened to it loved it I listen to music whenever I'm watching football because I just, I can't stand the broadcast. So I, I love my vinyl. I love my records. I like things of that nature. It is a very expensive hobby and with inflation, it's gotten a little bit more expensive, but regardless of the pricing, I've essentially just gotten and amassed a nice library of albums and records there's some that I would definitely want, but there's none that I really need anymore or have like a desire to purchase until today. I was so satisfied until this company, I am a bit came out with this new freaking, what is it? This new freaking track, bro. Oh my God. What is it? Hold on. Not these track, not this track, but they released this new trailer, this new teaser for their new albums that they're releasing. Or technically, they're not albums, but they're soundtracks. They're video game soundtracks. They were just like, hey, we have... Hey, you know those like ultra-rare soundtracks that you can't purchase anywhere? And if you can purchase them anywhere, they're like $500. You know those? We're going to give... Or excuse me, there's one album that you can purchase. Oh, excuse me. It's like way more than that. There's like one album. Where, oh, let me let me look it up really really fast. Hold on. Give me like two seconds. <clears throat> da, 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 da. Hold on. Give me like two seconds. I'm trying to find it. It's like, now it's like I'm getting all of these. Here it is. Wait, is that? No, that's not it, right? 
Oh yeah, here it is. It's like now that's this isn't the one that I'm looking for, but this will do. But any and all like super rare persona music, the music that you were just listening to when I was on my break. Any and all rare persona music is ridiculously expensive, by the by. Oh, here here it is. The only copy, the only edition of this soundtrack, Persona 4 Dancing All Night, is like $500. You can, you can get it for $500 fucking dollars. $500. That is insane for like, I think, eight tracks, right? Hold on. It's 12 tracks, excuse me. It's 12 tracks. But... I am 8-bit today was like, hey, you know all you know that super rare freaking soundtrack that has never been released on vinyl ever? And all of these other dancing, uh, these dance video game soundtracks that have uh, that are like these remixes of these really, really awesome songs. You know that, you know those games, right? Well, we have all of the records for you if you want them. They're not as expensive as our newest record that I still haven't gotten that I ordered literally over a year ago at this point. I still haven't gotten it. They were supposed to come in October. It's now December. And I was like, I'm so happy that I don't have to wait for a year for my records anymore because I've been having to do that literally for the past two years. I've had to do that since I got my first vinyl player, this like Crosley Cruiser in 2020. I was like, yes. Got through the pandemic. It's Christmas. Let me get myself something. Uh, let me treat myself, so to speak. And I did. And I got Persona 5 Royale, the soundtrack. And that took like seven months. Eight months, actually. It came in like, I think, August. Like, boom, let me get that. Then let me treat myself again. I am 8-bit. Came out with all of the dancing, the Persona dancing vinyl soundtracks. I was like, yes, yes, yes. I've been waiting for years for this as well. Maybe not as much as the original soundtracks, but still. Then all of the dancing vinyl soundtracks are coming next year at around this time. Q3 2023, I hate my life. I'm just kidding. I don't hate my life. I just hate the wait times. Because I'm going to be doing the same song and dance. I'm going to be waiting for months on end for my records again for the third year in a row. So annoyed. But I'm also very, very excited. Pre-orders start. <clears throat> You'll get this podcast on Wednesday, but technically pre-orders will start on uh, on Thursday. So for me, it's in two days, but for you, it's in a day. So I'm super excited about that. Thank God. That's coming soon. Oh my God. I cannot wait to freaking... You want to know what? I'll give you a little bit of, if I can deviate a lot further, I have been absolutely fucking excited for these new fucking records, this these new soundtracks for Persona that I've been waiting on getting for almost a year, and people are already reselling them for $200. It's insane, the reseller's market. I actually thought for like a hard minute, I was like, should I get into the reseller's market? It's literally easy money. I have like... A literal access. I, I literally could make all of my money back from this and then spend money on it 
spend more money on it. And it's just, it's just ridiculous how much people are shipping or not shipping, but reselling these fucking vinyl records for like insane, insane, insane amount of, uh, of money. They'll sell records that were like originally priced at like 30 to $40 for like 150 to $200. It's, it's yeah, yes, they will. They will do it. And do you want to know what people will fucking buy them? It's insane how much money they're just freaking making on these resells. It's insane. Anyways, regardless, sorry. That's my deviation. Let's talk about NFL football here. Or the rest of it. I think we'll go over some NFL football and then we'll peace out. Because I want some stuff on the bone for tomorrow. When it comes to football and the NFL. Plus, we're also like, I don't want to talk about the Raiders. You want to talk about the Raiders versus the Rams tomorrow? It, like, I, I know it's a Thursday night football game, and it's a primetime game, but nobody cares about these two teams. They're non-playoff teams, and they're very, very bad. They don't deserve to be talked about, and truth be told, they haven't played the best football, especially the Raiders. I know that they... Who did they beat last week? They beat the Chargers. The Chargers are a mess, and we'll start with the Chargers, but we'll talk about maybe four or five games from Sunday, and then we'll go into... And then I'll save the rest. Let me take a swig of my water. Hold on. Sorry about that. Can I raise my hand about the Chargers and say I was right? Can I do that? Can I have a nice, you know, victory lap here? Oh, my goodness. The Chargers are just such an overrated football team. And it's all because of Justin Herbert. And it's not because Justin Herbert is a bad quarterback or he's overrated. It's because he is great and everybody assumes that the Chargers will just follow him to greatness, specifically the coaching staff. And they have not. That's why they're overrated. Because everybody believes and thinks that the Chargers will play with the resiliency, with the strength, with the poise of Justin Herbert. And quite frankly put, they haven't and they will not. Their head coach is just terrible. I don't know what to tell people. I really don't. Brandon Staley is just not good. I don't know why people are still on that whole train. Let me tell you something. There are consistent rumors coming out that Sean Payton, do your dance, hit the Sean Payton, would love to coach Justin Herbert. So if I'm the head coach, excuse me, if I'm the owner of the Chargers, I'm making a phone call. I'm making a phone call to Sean Payton. I'm like, how much do you want this job? And if he tells me I want it badly, I'm 100% coming out of the retirement circle. If we have to pay his contract with the Saints, we'll do that. Whatever compensation we have to do, we will do that. I'm going to make some freaking uh, some freaking deals, man. Because, oh my God, are the Chargers just unable to use Keenan Allen and Mike Williams consistently or even average, or consistently good, excuse me. And they are consistently average. You know what's interesting? And I'll talk about the Cowboys here in a couple of minutes as well. The Cowboys, they understand who their players are. The Cowboys, they understand that CeeDee Lamb isn't really a speed guy. They won't put him out on the perimeter. And they won't have him beat the safety over the top and have Dak Prescott make a 30, 40-yard bomb. That's not CeeDee Lamb's strength. 
CeeDee Lamb's strength is very, very similar to what and how he played in college, except he wasn't, he's not as dynamic, you know, he's not able to like run by four or five, you know, longhorns into the end zone at the Red River shootout, you know? CeeDee Lamb can't do that in the NFL. But what he can do is he can truck a linebacker. What he can do is stay on his feet as he's getting tackled, run into the end zone, touchdown Dallas. That's what he can do. And somehow, someway, he's found a way to, to transfer that dynamic play over to the professional level, even though it really shouldn't transfer as much as you would think. But he's found ways to implement his college play style into the NFL, slightly not significantly, because it's like you're not going to be able to do the things that he was doing in college, because let's just be honest, uh, college football is nowhere near the level of NFL football. But my point with CeeDee Lamb, going all the way back originally, was that Dallas understands that he's not a speed you know, guy. He can run guys. You know, he can beat guys over the top. He's a route runner. He's a technician. I saw that touchdown, or one of the touchdowns. It, it, was, it wasn't the touchdown, right? It was, what was it? It was the play where he sticks his chain back in his jersey. Let me look it up. Hold on. Dallas versus Denver, it's like 111, 109. I'm watching it right now. There's like 45 seconds left in the game. It's like it's close. It's like I'm just making sure that Dallas just doesn't... Oh, wait, yep. Denver just hit a big three. They go up 112, 111. Let me find the CeeDee Lamb play, and then let me go back to Dallas versus Denver because it's, it's pretty electric. But Chris Collinsworth was going absolutely ballistic for this one play that Dallas was running where Dallas, or specifically CeeDee Lamb, excuse me, had like tucked in his chain and he was running a crossing route in zone coverage. And they were running these shallow crossers, right? Shallow crossers being that essentially you run five yards, five yards off the line of scrimmage on a crossing route, and the quarterback is supposed to hit you, and you go upfield, and then you turn it upfield, and then you make a play. Those routes that CeeDee Lamb makes are very, very strong for him as a, as a wide receiver because CeeDee Lamb is a great wide receiver after the catch. And he understands what to do and how to do in space, and it took him a little bit. It took him a little bit. It took him a couple of years to get his legs underneath him, but he finally has, and he kind of understands what he can do with the space that he's given. Let me try and see if I can find that fucking play. I can't, I can't find that fucking play. Hold on, give me like... I also want to go back and I want to watch the Mavs. Potentially. I mean, they just choked this game if they did. They did. Let me try and find it. Regardless, Dallas understands how to use CD Lamb. They don't put him in positions where he just cannot make plays and where he is where he is, I don't want to say useless, but he's ineffective. They always try to assist him as a wide receiver because they understand if they can help him reach his max potential, if they can help him play the sport, and if they can help him get open, then what they can do is they can maximize their chances to win. And to be honest with you, they scored three, three maybe two touchdowns off of CeeDee Lamb's back. I won't show up in the, sh- in the stat sheet like super cleanly, but that's factual. That's the difference between 
the Cowboys offense and the Chargers offense. They know how to use their wideouts. The Chargers do not know how to use their wideouts. And they haven't really learned how to use Keenan Allen and Mike Williams for years. Which is ironic because Keenan Allen is literally CeeDee Lamb. He's a slot receiver who really should only run like shallow crossers and things of that nature. And Mike Williams is a big physical guy who really isn't that fast and explosive. But he's athletic and he's big and he's strong and he can and he does like catch... Uh, 50-50 balls. His his job and his, not even his job, but his play style really isn't, it's not really that good for the NFL currently, but he's one of their top guys. So it's kind of like you got to make hay uh, when the sun's out or whatever. Now you got to do with what you can. Kind of a bad analogy, but you know what I mean. But in the case of Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, the Chargers, they just don't really know how to utilize them. It reminds me very, very similarly to the Cowboys back when Jason Garrett and Scott Linehan, right? That's what his name was, Scott Linehan? Jesus Christ. It's like three, four, this is like three, four years ago after they had lost against the Rams in the playoffs. Scott Linehan was their coordinator. He wasn't very good. But Dallas three, four years ago was like, hey, we want, like, like uh, what is it? Like, our offense is essentially derived from curls and comebacks. We're just going to run curls and comebacks. We're not going to run slants. We're not going to run shallow crosses. We're not going to run digs. Forget about it. And their offense, their passing offense was anemic, and it was essentially reliant upon Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper to figure out how to essentially have some type of a connection when their offensive coordinator let them down. And they did. To give them credit, you know, because they had success and Amari Cooper had multiple good years with Dak, with Dallas and with Dak Prescott. And he's having a great year with, uh, with the Browns, to be honest with you. The point that I'm trying to make here is that when you don't utilize your weapons correctly, when you put them in bad positions uh, to play, they'll always perform below the level of expectations that you have for them. And that's kind of what's going on with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, where they don't have a speed receiver to take the top off the defense. And their offense really isn't schemed for crossing routes, shallow crossers. I don't even know how honest, like to be honest with you, I don't even know it. Like I compared Keenan Allen to CD lamb. I don't think that they're the same in the context of yards after the catch where you just give the ball to Keenan Allen and he just pops off, I think that what he does very, very well, significantly above average, if you want my honest opinion about about it, is he runs routes very, very well, and he isn't given that option to run routes as well and as crisp as you want him to. So Mike Williams doesn't really run routes crisp. Crisp, crisp Lee, excuse me. So there, there it is. The Chargers are kind of up a creek without a paddle when it comes to their offense. But then, shockingly enough, and I've said this for years, if you're a head coach and what you specialized in before you are a head coach, before you were a head coach, is performing incredibly terribly, that is a huge problem. I talked about it with Matt Nagy when he was the Chicago Bears head coach. And how the defense was the best part of the Chicago Bears when he used to be the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chief. 
Chiefs, excuse me. He's back at Kansas City, I think, with a quarterback coach or as a quarterback coach or whatever. But I said that. I said Matt Nagy, like, it's super telling that his offense is the worst part about the team and he's an offensive coordinator. The same thing goes and flows with Brandon Staley. He's a defensive coordinator by trade, and his defense let up, like, what was it, 200 yards against Josh Jacobs, right? What was the numbers? It was something, it was not 200 yards. Josh Jacobs had 200 yards last week. 144 yards with Josh Jacobs and 177 yards, almost 200 yards for Devontae Adams, two touchdowns. It's incredibly telling that a defensive coordinator who got everything against a horrible offensive line with the Raiders, terrible offensive line, can't stop the run, with Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, and J.C. Jackson, and all these boys that he got, Cal Van Noy, that for some stupid reason, he plays as a pass rusher, when Cal Van Noy would, like, occasionally blitz. He wouldn't just straight up be like Micah Parsons, where Micah Parsons is lined up as an edge rusher. Cal Van Noy would either blitz from the off-ball linebacker position, or he would come up to the linebacker, come up to the A-gap and blitz from there on the line of scrimmage. But you wouldn't put him out as a fucking pass rusher. That's not what he does. And Brandon Staley's like, yep, do that. But this is what Brandon Staley does. This is what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to be a defensive coordinator, right? Wrong. His team fucking sucks. His defense sucks. I talked about it on Sunday when I covered this game. You have to stop one of them. You stop one of them, you probably win this game. You stop Devontae Adams, you stop fucking Josh Jacobs. And you win the game. It's insane. And it just, it doesn't even make any sense. You want to know why it doesn't make any sense? Time of possession was the exact same. The, uh, the third down efficiency for both teams was terrible. The Raiders were three for 10 on third down. It's like, they were terrible on third down. But then on top of that, here's, here's one of the key statistics. Oh yeah, and by the way, the Raiders let go of a fumble and they threw an interception. So the Chargers had won the turnover battle. But do you want to know the key statistic? Five sacks for the Chargers because they're running backups on the offensive line. And Zion Johnson isn't very good. Their first round draft pick out of Boston College. And they allowed five sacks to the Raiders, zero sacks. If you told me that the Raiders were like, yeah, we're going to protect our quarterback, Derek Carr, better than the Chargers. I get it. The Chargers are running backups, but so are the freaking Raiders. And the Chargers have a better defensive line, in my opinion. I don't understand it. Brandon Staley probably should be fired after this season because the Chargers, after looking for about three, four weeks, the last three, four weeks, like they were going to do something as if they were going to make it to the playoffs, looks like they're not going to go to the playoffs anymore. So, there you go. Chiefs at Bengals. What an absolute disaster of a football game for the Kansas City Chiefs. Absolute disaster. I talked about it on Sunday as well, where it seems like a major weakness for the Kansas City Chiefs is that they just don't have the explosion that they once had to be able to duel with the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think that's true, and I think that's legitimate. But I also think, upon reflection, their defense is exploitable. 
to be honest with you. And their offensive line is terrible at the left side, at the left tackle position, inarguably their most important position. Orlando Brown, I saw, I've seen this like over the past three, four weeks. Orlando Brown is fucking terrible. He is terrible. If you don't know the story on Orlando Brown, he was formerly the right tackle for the Baltimore Ravens. For some reason, he demanded that the Baltimore Ravens put him at left tackle. Problem is, Baltimore has an awesome left tackle in Ronnie Stanley, or Staley, I forgot, like it's Stanley or Staley, uh, who is inarguably better than him. And they they said no. They essentially said no. So he essentially requested and demanded a trade, and they obliged him. And so the Chiefs picked him up. Looked like a great trade at the time. Looked like he could potentially be one of the better tackles in the NFL. And I talked about it. I forgot what game I watched of him recently. But I watched this game, and I watched this play of him, and it's just so weird how he plays the sport of football, especially at the left tackle position. He is a big human being, and he's athletic, and he's long. He has all of the traits that you would want from an offensive tackle. But, and this is a head-scratching just thing about Orlando Brown. He's big, he's strong, and he's athletic, and he's lengthy, but for some weird reason, he, he doesn't punch, meaning that he doesn't extend his arms when he's, like, when he, or he improperly punches. He punches, like, too early or too late, he doesn't get his hands on guys. It's like he just doesn't know how to play the left tackle position, which, to be honest with you, he kind of doesn't because he was a right tackle. And he sometimes just ends up in these weird and awkward positions where he doesn't anchor and he kind of just gets bullied back and then other times he gets beaten to the outside. Like, things that you would not expect an athletic, powerful tackle to happen happen with Orlando Brown. It's very shocking. And the freaking Cincinnati Bengals all night long, like Lionel Richie, were beating his proverbial ass. It was so, 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 so very obnoxious to watch because the main thought that I had throughout that entire game was, you are supposed to be better than this. You are supposed to be a better tackle than this. You are supposed to be one of the best players at your position. And he's not. He really isn't. And I think... Out of everything, out of the lack of explosive plays that the Kansas City Chiefs can operate. The Kansas City Chiefs also can't really turn the football over. The reason why Dallas had this huge explosion of points in the fourth quarter against the Colts, they can get after the quarterback, they can create turnovers, their rookie draft class this year is awesome. We'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. But man, oh man, oh man, the Chiefs are in trouble. I didn't think the Chiefs were in trouble until this game because I thought they were just going <laughs> to clean this game up. And they just didn't. And it, it, it wasn't like the last two games where the Chiefs had played great for the first half and then they just fell apart in the second half. This was a consistent, oh my goodness, the Bengals are going blow for blow with the Chiefs. So, this game, very, very telling about the Chiefs. And to be honest with you, you want my honest opinion about it? I don't know who's coming out of the AFC. And I thought for Super Bowl predictions, by the way, just so we're clear on this, I predicted that I that the that the Dallas Cowboys will go to and win the Super Bowl this year. But 
I was always worried about the AFC and specifically for the Chiefs. And we'll talk about Miami tomorrow because it's getting late. But I was worried about the I was worried about the Chiefs and their ability to stop the Cowboys. But I I don't think that that's something that I need to worry about really ever again. Because especially if you go back and if you watch last year's game, Dallas's defense actually did a great job containing Patrick Mahomes. He only scored 19 points against them. And this year, it seems like Orlando Brown has gotten worse, and their right tackle, I haven't even talked about him. He's not very good either. And Miko Hardman, it's like, you got to stop Travis Kelsey, and I don't like that matchup for Dallas. But like, Miko Hardman, to me, is just a speed receiver. If you can get pressure on Patrick Mahomes, done and dusted, you know? Patrick is a big-bodied, strong arm, and most importantly, he's a strong-willed quarterback. But every quarterback cannot deny when a freaking 240-pound to 280-pound defensive lineman freaking comes right down. Or Oh, that sounded weird. <laughs> freaking destroys your left or right tackle and freaking decapitates you in the backfield. You can't, you know, no strong will or strong arm can beat that. Because it's, it's, it's reality. It's not, it's not about wills. It's about you're not as big and as strong as these guys, and they're taking your ass to the ground. I do worry about Kansas City. I do worry about Kansas City. We'll see what happens with Kansas City in the next couple of weeks, though. We'll see. Oh, God. Bengals, though. With this win, Bengals, they're still in it. Talk about playoff seeding all, all the time. Bengals, they tie the Baltimore Ravens, who, hold on, I got a cough. <coughs> Excuse me. Who lost Lamar this weekend to a knee injury because the bang, not the Bengals, the Baltimore Ravens are terrible without Lamar. And they'll probably lose a bunch of games. They're tied right now 8-4. Do they play up against each other in the next couple of weeks, or did they already play the series? They'll play against the Bengals at the end of the game, or at the end of the season, excuse me, for the, uh, for the, for the divisional title for the crown. So we'll see what happens with the Bengals and the Ravens here in the final week of the regular season. But Baltimore and the and the Bengals are just two very, very interesting teams that I think can uh, can be. It's to me, the AFC is going to be dictated off of Miami, the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Bengals, and I think that's it. I think that's it. Like three teams. I was about to say four, but it's really three. I don't think the Ravens are going to be a contender this year. I think they're going to make it to the playoffs, potentially second round, get booted out against Chiefs, Dolphins. So. We'll see what happens there. <clears throat> but, man, oh, man. Bengals are, Bengals are back in it. Ravens are, are kind of in a heap of trouble, and Lamar has got to come back as soon as he possibly can because they kind of need him because they will see very, very quickly how bad they are without him. And more importantly and more specifically, to be honest with you, uh, how bad the freaking Broncos were and are, and that not every single team you're going to be facing off against is essentially the freaking horrendous Denver Broncos. So there you go. 
said we were going to cover five games. We'll really only cover four, and one of those is Seattle versus the Rams. Seattle beat the Rams. Rams are terrible. Final game we'll talk about, Cowboys versus Colts. Colts are, Colts are bad. Vegas opened up the line last week at 11 and a half points, I think, in favor of the Cowboys because of these fucking blowouts that the Cowboys have been putting up and because of the level of competition. Cowboys are now opening up against Houston 17 and a half points. I'm not a gambler, so I wouldn't. If I was a gambler, I still wouldn't take those odds. I mean, but what do I know? I'm not a gambler. But I don't think. I don't think. There's really a lot that can be said about this game that hasn't already been said. It was a blowout. Everybody, some people want to focus on the fourth quarter. I remember I was going to play this clip of Steve, not Steve, Skip Bayless. I was about to say Steve Bayless. But Skip Bayless talking about how the Cowboys didn't play well or whatever. It was a fourth quarter explosion, and I said that people were going to talk about it negatively and things of that nature. I don't, I don't really care. If people talk about it negatively, it's they won by 54 points. The result is still the same. Or not by 54 points. They scored 54 points, which is insane. In a professional football game and not in college. But the Cowboys, to me, the main takeaway from this game is the Cowboys rookies, especially their late round players, are really, really performing. And not even their late round players. This draft class for the Cowboys, this 2022 draft class that to me was not very good at first is starting to look like one of the best draft classes in the last five or six years. Outside of the Jalen Tolbert pick, their first round draft pick is Tyler Smith, who looks like one of the best offensive line. He looks, scratch that, he's the best offensive lineman in his draft class. He looks future-wise to be one of the best tackles slash guards in the NFL for the next 10 plus years. So they got maybe not as dominant as Tyron Smith. I don't know. I haven't seen him play a full season where he is playing one position. So I don't know. It's by the way, impressive that he's played multiple positions and there is very, very little drop off, but Tyler, they got him in the first round and he's been awesome they got Sam Williams, who's been good, very, very, very good for a rookie. And then again, their third round pick, who I was super high on, and Jalen Tolbert is just not really playing. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. <clears throat> and then they got the linebacker out of LSU that I really, really liked, the guy that everybody has heard of over the last 28 to four, 24, excuse me, to 48 hours, and Damone Clark, who has been awesome for them. He caused a forced fumble on Jelani Woods. And he's and I've I've watched him a lot over the last couple of weekends. And Damone Clark is such an interesting player. He's super athletic. He's very instinctual. He's a good tackler. He's a good player. And he had this, this back injury that was being reported that he was going to potentially sideline him for the majority of this season, if not the entirety of this season, but apparently Dallas was like, no, he's playing this year, which is weird, but they knew that, which probably speaks to how good their medical staff is, but they said, no, he's playing this year, and he is, and you want to know what? He's playing really, really fucking awesome for a guy that had, I think, a spinal fusion, that's what it's called, like a spinal fusion, like eight or nine months ago. It's incredible how awesome he's playing, 
and he is only going to get consistently better. And it's weird. They've taken Dallas has taken some real risk with some of their linebackers with Jabril Cox and now Damone Clark, and both of them have been really, really awesome over the last specific not not both of them, but really Damone has been really, really awesome over the last couple of weeks. And it's I don't know who's the best linebacker in this year's draft. Is it? It's like Quay Walker was taken, and uh, one other guy. I forgot. I forgot who it was. It was the guy that the Jags took. I forgot who, who, uh, who he took, but who they took. But Damone Clark, who's like a late round draft pick. I mean, long term, he made. He's starting to look like he's the best linebacker in this draft class as well. He's a late round draft pick. So we'll see what happens there. And also Deron Bland, which. A lot of people have heard of because of the two interceptions. I saw him in training camp for the Dallas Cowboys, and Dallas kind of like flexed him in as a starting slot corner. I didn't know he could play slot. Didn't know that at all. I thought he was an outside guy. He learns. He has learned how to play a very, very difficult position very, very quickly. Earlier in the podcast, I talked about Kelvin Joseph and how when I was watching... Matt Ryan in the red zone on one specific play, and I saw Kelvin Joseph lined up against Alec Pierce isolated one-on-one on the backside. I, I thought, oh, Matt Ryan should take a look. He should take a look on the left side of the football field, and he did, and he threw a back shoulder fade to Alec Pierce for a touchdown. Coverage was really good. Kelvin just didn't turn his freaking head around. But Matt Ryan did not target Deron Bland very much in the game. He targeted Calvin Joseph because he was like, this is where I can make my money. This is where I can make my fucking bread. But Deron, he didn't target that much. And when he did, it was tight coverage. Deron Bland is a very, very good, aggressive tackle tackler. He's a big dude as well. I don't know how big he is. He, like, he looks, A, oversized, right? Like, it's weird that he plays slot because... Deron Bland, he may be 6'2", 6'3", right? Maybe 6'4"? Eh, maybe not 6'4", but he's a big dude. He's six foot. That, he looks bigger than he actually is. He's six foot, 200 pounds. And Deron Bland, he's such an interesting guy because he tackles, he covers, and he also creates turnovers. And... For the last couple of weeks in the Giants game, because Jordan Lewis, their starting slot corner, has been hurt for maybe about a month or so. I think ever since the Green Bay Packers game. Or what was it? It was maybe against the Bears, I think. I forgot what game it was. But he's been hurt for almost a month. So they've put in Deron Bland in. And he has been... He's been great. Teams have gone away from him. And they have tried to attack Anthony Brown, who's kind of turned out to be a liability this year. And now they're starting to attack Kelvin Joseph. They really don't want to see Deron Bland in the slot. They'd rather go everywhere else. They try not to target Trevon Diggs for very, very obvious reasons. And it's just so interesting how great Dallas's draft class has been. Every, like, four really, really good starters for them this year. And also, um, not also, excuse me, but four really, really good starters this year. And just, I like, I don't know. I'm, I just saw this segment. I'm sorry. I just saw this segment <laughs> on how this guy that Charles Barkley got into a fight with, like in the 
90s and 80s Scott Hastings is like uh is like was running around Turner Sports or whatever so I was I was distracted by that I was distracted by that for the entirety of of uh of this conversation about the Dallas Cowboys I was like what is going on on TNT sorry but Deron Bland fifth round pick Damone Clark fourth rounder Sam Williams second Jalen Tolbert if he gets any if they get anything out of him that'll be Another really, really awesome player, potentially. And Tyler Smith, man. Dallas is fully rolling. Dallas is a super dangerous team. We'll talk about all of the other games tomorrow. I'm peacing out for tonight. I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you so much. This has been 24's Podcast. I'm out. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.